Welcome to Let's Talk Ed and Zahi. We have been talking about OERs and uh, we have Kirby Lund with us who uh, has done a lot of work in the space of OERs. And today specifically, we're going to get into some of the different types of OERs out there and, and whether or not these are things that could fit across different disciplines within education, higher education. Yeah, I mean, Kirby's doing it in English, right? And as I was working in the bookstore uh, during uh, enrollment uh, here at uh, Williston State, I noticed that many faculty, especially in the department that uh, of uh, arts and uh, uh, literature and social sciences that Kirby represents, Oh, a moment of senility. That's what happened, folks, when you age <laughs> not so gracefully like I am, uh, uh, that Kirby leads. Uh, I noticed many faculty are using open educational resources, but that's not all of them. And I know from um, when I worked in Wisconsin, there was a um, statewide effort to create an OER for nursing that was sponsored by the National Science Foundation. That was going to be, when it was finalized, it was going to be distributed nationally. So, uh, Kirby, what do you think? Does it fit everywhere? Is there a universal need in every discipline for an open educational resources? I think that OER would be beneficial to have in, in any kind of discipline. For any kind of class, the big thing that would need to happen is somebody needs to sit down and actually write the OER material, right? The learning materials. And that's where probably the biggest hurdle is. College instructors are often strapped for time, whether that's university professors who are working on their own research or community college professors who are trying to make inroads in the community and are more service oriented. But yes, I think there's a, a time and a place in, in every single class, in every single discipline where OER could probably be used, whether that's maybe a more traditional open education resource textbook that we could find online, or maybe even turning toward credible video lectures on YouTube. And we discussed that, you know, we discussed, uh, you, you showed us uh, you know, how elaborate your skills have become in, in the world of knitting and woodworking based on your uh, watching a few YouTube videos that are free. And Chris has, I mean, I know how phenomenal his skills in in uh, movie editing and, and digital uh, graphics uh, are. So, Chris, what do you think about OER? And Yeah, you know, I... With like YouTube, obviously, there there are a lot of people that are turning to, uh, you know, the quote unquote YouTube you to to learn about different things. I spent some time this morning. I've been thinking about investing in a laser engraver. And I spent some time earlier today looking at different videos about the pros and cons of of that. Uh, now, the reality of that is. You really have to sort the wheat from the chaff in, in YouTube. There are some really good, exceptional videos out there, and there are some really bad videos out there. And it can be really easy to find either one of those. 
And, you know, it's finding the right person that not only presents the information in a factual way, but also can present the information in an engaging and informative way. Uh, and there is a skill to that. And I've watched videos that make assumptions about their viewers that uh, they may assume that you have a higher skill level than you do, or they may assume that your skill level is lower than what you have. And landing on either one of those videos can be very difficult if you're somewhere in the middle. Uh, I've also watched some videos that have no narration. I've watched some videos where the audio is awful. Um, and I've watched some videos of people that uh, are not very good presenters. And, you know, certainly in, in the world of, of colleges, you know, we have all of that, too, in our own classrooms. We have some people that may not be the best presenters, but they're wonderful subject matter experts. And you get them in a a one on one environment and they do wonders with our students. But we're not going to put them on a stage to to lead everybody in a big speech on something. And that's OK. Uh, but, you know, there is a lot of that trying to figure out, you know, OK, how do we include the best stuff on there? Um, and from a technology standpoint, uh, you know, again, let's just, uh, you know, Zahi, you and I have a passion for welding. Um, you know, let's say, for instance, uh, you had a welding instructor that wanted to do demonstrations on a, a different variety of welds. You also have to make sure that if they are creating that content, they have the right tools to do that well um, versus, you know, we awkwardly have one camera that's stuck off to the side and now I'm leaning over my thing and you can't see what I'm doing. Uh, so, you know, doing all of that is important. And, you know, I think, Kirby, one of the points that you made, too, is there's a lot of time that goes into developing these things and not everybody has that time or has that desire. Kirby uh, um, and Chris, I think you, you, you both make excellent points, uh, but I, I would contend that it's similar to uh, textbooks. You know, every publisher, big or small, multinational or, or regional, they also have books. Are they all of the same caliber, right? Are they, is, are the pictures they have in there or the visual aids in there of the same quality? Yet somehow we figure out time to go through those, right? Because it's under our nose in one book, or is it because that's what we're accustomed to doing? And I'm not saying it as a bad thing. I'm just saying that it might be an equivalent. Kirby, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm I'm thinking about the versatility of OERs because if if you're sitting there as an instructor trying to say, okay, I I like the visual aids on page four and five but the ones on page six and seven, they aren't doing any service to students. It's outdated information. It's already two or three years old. What's the next step? 
well, okay, let's get the next edition of the textbook and have students pay for that with that one updated graphic. Or you can go to an OER that either you're developing yourself or someone else has developed and sometimes even reach out to those OER developers and say, hey, this graph isn't doing anybody any service. Can you update it? Here's a new study. And that fast, now we have an updated textbook. And again, students don't have to go out and buy the new edition. It's a couple of clicks and now my information is updated again. Right. Yeah, right. I think, and, go ahead, Chris. I, I was going to say, I think right or wrong, you know, there, there's still a perception that, you know, the textbook companies, you know, there's a, an extra level of credibility that comes with that because there's more of that vetting process and, and all of that. But really, you can do all of that vetting uh, if you put the time into it yourself and looking at you know, who is behind the the different OERs and, and find, you know, subject matter experts that that you really think drive home that same point again as as something coming from a major publisher. Right. And and what I like about the, the idea of the uh, multimedia uh, and multimodal approaches is uh, unlike a uh, hard book, and I apologize, I understand that billions of people like the physical uh, book and the written word. Uh, you know, it, 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 we know that VARC isn't necessarily scientifically proven. You know, the visual auditory reading and, and, uh, and kinesthetic uh, learning uh, style, uh, styles are not necessarily verified. But having everything right when when let's say you have a youtube video it's it's the auditory it's the visual and you're in you can you can have the uh, uh words coming up and you're showing things from various angles repeating them those are going to stick with you more and make it more appealing so i uh, again not not uh, trying to judge but i i think Going back to the uh, in the first segment, uh, something that Kirby said, which is the accessibility. I think we're providing even more accessibility. And Zahi, I think that's why you can find Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, because we want to give that versatility. And uh, in our next segment, we're going to go into a little bit on the future of OERs and what that looks like. Uh, so if you enjoy conversations like this, be sure and subscribe to us here on YouTube. Ring that bell down below. You'll get notified when we post new content. Be sure and like this video. It, it helps us out and it helps make sure other people uh, that are like-minded will see this video as well. So for Kirby Lund and Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.